Have you been tirelessly working out only to find your calves refusing to budge? Have you thrown in the towel convinced by the widespread myth that calf size is purely genetic and beyond your control? Well, it's time to pick that towel back up. Please do not confuse the towel with the soap. There was a study that was released in December of 2023 that seems to just confirm what we've always known about calf training, but the reason why I want to talk about it here is because I think the study design was so intriguing and unique that it'll be interesting to take a look at the study, and then after we've gone through the study, just to talk more generally about calf training and the principles that I would recommend to you when training calves if you want to have bigger calves. All right, so with that out of the way, I want to welcome you to Fitness for Fatherhood, the podcast helping first-time fathers find the time to regain their health and fitness to become the superhero dads their kids look up to. I'm Stacey Liddell, your host, qualified personal trainer, two-time amateur physique competitor, and a freshly minted dad. I firmly believe that a healthy body and mind are the cornerstones to a fulfilling life. Get ready to gain actionable tools and strategies from real-life examples to take control of your health and fitness to become the superhero dad that your kids look up to. All right, so I'm taking a bit of a break from the series that I was doing about the speech that Nick Saban gave. And I think it's important that I interject here with this information because I saw some comments online and I just, I couldn't help myself and I had to release some content in a way to sort of vent a little bit and to just help people to steer away from the kind of nonsense that you see online. Uh, The post was a woman claiming to be a trainer who'd been working at a big box gym for the last four months. And she was claiming that none of the people that she sees training calves have seen any significant progress in their calf training. And so I want to first break down the study, talk a little bit about the calf muscles, uh, how the calf muscle anatomy works, what the study proved, and then how to get the most out of your calf training so that you don't fall into the trap of thinking that you cannot change the size of your calves um, even if you train them. And I'll explain why I believe that people generally don't see the results that they want from their calves or from their calf training and why that woman's comment is often what we see, but it's not because calf training doesn't work. It's because the way that those people are training their calves specifically doesn't work. All right. So, What are the calf muscles? Uh, What are the muscles that make up the calves? The calf muscles are made up of of quite a few muscles, but the main two are the gastrocnemius and the soleus. And essentially, the calves are used in every single step you take, quite literally. So every time you play a game of catch with your kids or you decide you want to have a spontaneous run down to the end of the garden, your calves are being activated. They're kind of the unsung heroes of your body's mobility and stability. They enable you to walk, run, jump, even standing still and standing tall, you engaging your calves. Okay, so let's talk about each of those major major muscles. The gastrocnemius is essentially what you would picture if someone had to, say, imagine the calf muscle to you. It's that thick muscle that spans from just above your knee It actually goes right down into your heel. And it's what gives your calf that distinctive shape. 
and it basically jumps into action every time you push off the ground. So whether that's doing a sprint or even just reaching up onto your tippy toes to grab something off a high shelf. So as you can see, it's crucial for those more explosive movements. And the soleus, on the other hand, is the muscle that lies kind of beneath the gastrocnemius. And it's the muscle that's used for sustained activities, like if you want to go for a long walk with a stroller, or if you're standing up watching your kid's soccer game. It's the more endurance-oriented endurance muscle that helps keep you upright and stable, no matter sort of how long you're expected to be on your feet for. All right, so now let's talk a little bit about the fitness community and the views towards calf training. And since I can remember, which is probably about, what, now 20 years ago, maybe a little bit less than that, 18 years ago when I started training for the first time, there's always been a bit of a tug of war regarding which exercises are the best for certain muscle groups. And the truth is, is that when training calves, both seated training and standing training have their benefits. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what those benefits are and then dive into the study and talk about what it revealed. So when we're doing standard calf raises, the standing movements are going to target the gastrocnemius, which is that big muscle that we associate with the calves. So if you're wanting you know, the visual appealing calves, that's the kind of exercise you'd want to do. And um, the one downside that sometimes people mention about doing this kind of calf work is if you overload with weight on your shoulders, for example, on your back, you can get some spinal compression. To be honest, I haven't really looked into that kind of stuff enough um, f for me to give a, a definitive statement on whether or not the spinal loading can be too much. but. I would recommend that if that is a concern of yours, you don't even have to load. You can just do free weight calves on stairs and things like that. So there are ways to mitigate that kind of spinal loading if that's something that is worry, worrying you. And then the seated calves actually target that less glamorous part of the calf, the soleus, um, that endurance muscle of the calf. And I will mention later if... It's worth doing both, just choosing one, or one is better than the other, and um, maybe that can help guide your practical application of the knowledge. All right, so let's take a look at the actual research. Uh, the research basically took a group of people who aren't gym regulars. They are referred to as untrained individuals. Um, these are generally people either starting from a base of zero training or perhaps people who once upon a time trained, but they have no training adaptions to the gym. Um, so maybe that sounds familiar to some of you. And uh, this research obviously applies most literally to those people who are untrained. But I think even advanced lifters um, will probably already understand this kind of research as it is. Um, but if there's something, some helpful information for you as well, that's great. So what did they do in the study? 
um, they essentially took individuals that were untrained, as I said, and the best part about it, in my opinion, is that they used one leg of the individual to train in a seated calf raise, while they trained the other leg with a standing calf raise. So they did uh, sort of unilateral work with different exercises. And this is really, really clever, because when you design a study like this, you boost the reliability of the findings because you have participants who are training one leg with one machine and the other leg with the with another machine, in this case a seated calf and a standing calf. So you essentially turn a single person into their own control group. And this is rather ingenious because by doing this, you are going to sharply increase the statistical power of the study. Um, and that really helps cutting through a lot of the noise that we usually get in these kinds of studies that comes from individual differences between people. You know, our genetics are different, our diet is different, our lifestyle habits are different. But using one person doing two exercises on different legs, you cut through a lot of those factors. So a really, really clever study design. So essentially you are minimizing a lot of those external variables, which is great. There is also sometimes something called cross-training, uh, which is when your unexercised muscle on the other side of your body gets impacted by training the the opposite. So for example, if you're training your right bicep, there has been science showing that the left bicep is stimulated just from the effect of training your right bicep. There's a cross-training effect, but it appears in the study that there was a very minimal cross-training effect. So it made direct comparison between left and right leg uh, more appropriate. And so let's take a look at the results because it'll give us a crystal clear picture on how each exercise might benefit you. And because it's based in solid science, this information is extremely reliable. So these untrained individuals, they trained for a 12-week period. And the results came in and, excuse the pun, but they spoke volumes about the effectiveness of the chosen exercises that were used. So when it comes to beefing up your calves, you're going to want to use standing calf raises. The gastrocnemius muscle, which is, as I said, that prominent muscle on the back of the leg, is going to get hit really, really hard when we do the standing variations of calf raises. And in this part of the study, it really shone a spotlight on the value of standing calves for people like busy dads. Because if you are wanting to train your calves, but you only have one exercise you have time to do, I would recommend you do the standing variation. Okay, and then with the soleus muscle, uh, the evidence was kind of not so great, uh, they found that standing and seated, there wasn't much of a difference when it came to targeting the soleus, um, or the, in scientific terms, there was no statistical difference really between the two exercises. So that again points to the fact that if you are short on time, if you need to be as effective 
get the most bang for your buck with exercises, you're going to want to be doing standing variations of calf training. And I'll talk a bit later about different things you can do with your actual training to get the most out of out of your exercise selection and things like that. So the findings in this study aren't really much of a surprise, to be honest. It really aligns, the results really align perfectly with what we know about how our muscles work on a biomechanical level. The gastrocnemius muscles, um, those big muscles at the back there, they stretch across two joints. So in fancy terms, they're called biarticulate. So it, it crosses the ankle and the knees, right? And because of that, it's it's trained best by having your legs straight with a straight leg. So this is why when we do a seated calf raise where our legs are bent, it puts our gastrocnemius in literally a tight spot. With your knees bent, the muscle is going to shorten and bunch up. Um, it's called sort of insufficiency, right? And when the muscle is shortened like this, it's really difficult to produce much force or any the necessary force really to get enough stimulation to grow the gastrocnemius. If we look at it from a strictly muscle building uh, framework, you can't really form actin-myosin cross bridges that cause um, the muscle fibers to grow or to get stimulated to grow. Um, so you're not really getting peak contractions there. And so this is really the key piece of the puzzle for understanding why certain exercises work for different muscles while others are less effective. And yeah, I just think it's great to understand the biomechanical stuff because if you're somebody who's just been doing seated calves this whole time and been neglecting standing calves and you haven't really been seeing the results in your calf muscles, well, now you understand why. It's because you've been trying to exercise your big gastrocnemius while it's basically in insufficiency and and you can't really generate the force needed to grow the muscle. Okay, so, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people uh, say that your best bet is to combine seated and standing to have both in your program using the standing as your primary calf muscle exercise so maybe doing that first when you're still fresh and strong in the calves and then adding the seated variations to work on the soleus but um, as I'll mention later I think that in practical terms you could even just focus on standing variations but I don't want to put the cart before the horse right so um there is just one thing to add before uh, going on to some more practical things about designing calf training that, that suits you, that works for you. There is some other research out there. I, c- I can't exactly remember where I saw it, but the evidence does suggest that seated calf raises do have a slight edge over standing calves for strengthening the soleus muscle and for growing the soleus muscle. And although this was seen a very small level in the study as I said it wasn't significant enough statistically to say that uh, sort of unanimously so 
yeah, just something to keep in mind if you are worried about the soleus, which I don't think many people are. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about um, the actual training and how you can practically apply some of these principles. And um, a lot of people, I think, often ask, well, why the heck are you talking about calf training? It's such a insignificant muscle. And the reality is, is that calves are often the muscle group that is really out of proportion to the rest of somebody's physiques. I mean, there's so many people I've seen with like that have really nice jack physiques, but then they've neglected their lower legs. And if you want a well-rounded physique, you want to match your your legs, your calves, at least with your quads and the rest of your physique, right? Um, you don't want to continuously be the butt of the joke from your asshole friends, you know, calling you a shark attack victim or something like that, you know, where uh, your legs look as if uh, a great white swam up and just bit off your calves and now you, you have chicken legs. Okay, so um, that's something... I think that's really important is to have a balanced physique, to build a balanced physique overall. Okay, and then before talking about actual training, something that's very, very important to understand and that we have to get out of the way at the top here is you can't just copy and paste the way you train your other muscle groups and try and match that kind of frequency, rep range, all that stuff with calves because calves do actually need to be trained slightly differently from other muscles. And just a kind of little analogy here, um, right? You don't want to completely forget about the principles of training, um, but you don't just want to copy and paste the exact kind of training. So an an analogy would be if you're playing uh, a little bit of contact sport, right? You're having some fun with your son in the back garden, you're playing American football or rugby or whatever it may be, and there's a little bit of contact, you wouldn't apply the same force in your tackling and things like that to your son, I hope, if he's like five or six, as you would if you were playing professional rugby um, and that was your career. When you ran out on a Saturday and playing a match and you're smashing into people, you wouldn't use that that same force. Yes, the principles of tackling and those kinds of things remain the same you use the same techniques but you don't go balls to the wall with your kids and end up injuring them and stuff like that Um, so you apply the same principles but you're not copying and pasting exactly the technique uh, and the force that you're using in that situation right i hope that doesn't sound silly but essentially that's what a lot of people do with calf training they take the exact template of the chest chest training and apply it to their calves, and their, their calves don't seem to grow, so they abandon calf training. You want to take the principles, yes, but you don't want to apply the exact same rep ranges, sets, and all those kinds of things. Sorry, I hope that makes sense and rambling here, um, but so let's continue. The first thing you can do if you're trying to grow your calves is to prioritize calf training. A lot of people treat calves and abs in a very similar way. They're stuck at the back end of the workout. And if you're a bit tired at the end of the workout, they often are skipped and not done at all. It takes someone, a gym partner maybe, to remind you, hey, hey, we didn't do calves, we didn't do abs. And then like, oh, and you grudgingly go and do sort of like a half-assed uh, couple of sets of calves. And if that's the approach that you're taking with your calves, that could be the reason why they're not growing and why you're not seeing the returns you want to see. So if you want to grow your calves, Train them either first 
or put them near the front end of your workout. As an, and as I said, this is almost never done. Okay, so that's the first thing you can do. Prioritize your training of your calves if it's something you want to work on. I mean, I guess it's just like any other muscle you'd like to prioritize and grow. You train it first. And, you know, with calf training, there's honestly, there's nothing magical. You don't have to put on your magical shaman's coat and go stand out in the rain chanting for them to grow. You just have to be consistent and make sure that you train them at the top of the workout. Uh, Something that's, I think, unique to calves is frequency. At the moment, I'm training my calves four times a week. Should you train your calves four times a week? I don't know. It really depends on your physiology. If you go in and train your calves, are you the type of person that has calves that are in pain for the next day or two? If that's you, wait until the soreness goes away and then hit them again. All right. If you're somebody that goes to gym, trains calves reasonably hard, wakes up the next day and has no feeling of pain in their calves, you can likely train them that very next day or perhaps you can wait 48 hours depending on on how often you want to train them. But you could probably train your calves four, five, six times a week if you're not ever experiencing any muscular soreness, right? We are all different. You need to realize that you cannot just take Joe Soap's training program because he trains calves twice a week. You must train calves twice a week. No, you've got to use the training that fits your physiology, your recovery. All right. That's why I think, especially once your beginning phase of bodybuilding or training is over in terms of your your newbie gains, sticking to just copy and paste versions of other people's programs will only get you so far because it doesn't match your physiology with your training. Then specifically for exercises, as I said, I prefer the standing variations. I, I think that if you're someone with limited time, such as myself, you get the most bang for your buck. What you can do with that kind of training as well is you can change the angle of the calf training. What do I mean by that? I mean you can use different machines in different ways to target your calves differently, right? You can use uh, the Smith machine to do to load it with plates and do calves under there. You can do a leg press calf machine. You can do a traditional standing calf machine with the shoulder pads on, right? You can do calf raises on stairs, changing the angle of the feet. There's a lot you can play around with with the standing variations. As for the seated variation, as I said, I'm not the biggest fan. I think you know there's a lot of momentum. Uh, it's predominantly targeting the soleus. I honestly think it's a little bit of a waste of time. I think you can get most of what you need from the standing variations. But again, if you're somebody who enjoys that kind of training, wants to incorporate that into your training, I'm not going to be the one to tell you to stop doing the things that you like in the gym. Alrighty. When it comes to the number of sets, again, it depends on your level of training. If you're someone who's not been hitting their calves very hard, don't go over the top and do like six sets in your first workout. Start with two sets. You don't have to be a hero. Assess how your your calves are feeling when you train them. Are you getting a nice solid pump? Um, as you start to feel weaker with your successive reps, you can obviously pull back and stop, take a short rest, and then do a second set and call it a day after two sets. If you wake up the following day and you are not sore, then clearly the work that you did the day before was 
was insufficient to cause you enough pain to stop you from then training again. So add another set. Try three sets this time. And you can do probably quite a lot of volume, up to about six sets in a session. And then once the calf starts getting tired and, and you're struggling to get full recovery the next day, then obviously you've done enough. You need to then back off, take a rest, don't train calves again, let them recover, and then hit them again. It's really important to understand that you don't want to always overdo it when you train. There is a point where you do more harm than you do good. Okay, so unless you are perhaps auditioning for the walking dead and you need to have that sort of zombie stilted walk, then I suggest that you don't overdo your calf training because you don't want to be walking around with sore calves for three or four days um, looking like a bit of an idiot. Okay, so keep that in mind when you are training. Listen to your body and train them to the point where they're a bit sore and then hit them again once they've recovered. When it comes to weight and repetition, generally speaking, I found personally and speaking to other people that higher reps work better for training calves. Um, Oftentimes people do 15 or more reps. I know some people who go really high, 30, maybe more than that, especially if they're doing unweighted like a a stair calf or something like that. Uh, Me, myself, at the moment, I'm probably around that 20 reps per set. And um, it really is a, a sweet spot for me. I get a great pump. Um, and it's what works for me. So that's, again, something you've got to play around with, but generally speaking, it tends to be higher. So if you don't know where to start, aim for those higher rep ranges and and see how it goes. I think one of the big reasons why calf training is slightly different is the the rep range is so, so limited when you do calf training that the time and attention when the force is produced is relatively short. So... You do need to do more reps to get that engagement of the muscle to get more to get more stimulus, right? Um, another thing that's important, I find that keeping my rest periods shorter are also better. Um, so short rep, short rest periods, high reps, and that's normally going to work out best for you. If it doesn't work for you, if you're somebody who does better under heavier weights with lower volume then obviously this doesn't apply to you and don't change the way you're training if it works. Okay, this again, going back to that principle I was saying earlier, if it doesn't work for you, it makes no sense to keep on doing something that doesn't work for you or if it's if it doesn't work for you, the advice that I'm giving you and the, what you're doing already works for you, it doesn't make sense to just change to what I'm saying um, because I'm saying it. If something works for you, stick to it. Okay. Um, another analogy is like you wouldn't really go and take swimming lessons from a house cat, right? So in that same vein, stop listening to people who are giving you training advice uh, about calf training if they've got tiny calves. Um, And this is going back to what I said at the top of the episode Often hearing people say that like calf training doesn't work. I've seen so, so many people train calves, their calves don't change. And that's because they aren't applying the principles that I've just laid out for calf training. Okay, so 
you get loads of people who are not going to agree with the sentiments here because like anything more than 20 reps is like, oh, cardio. Um, and yeah, that's just nonsense. All right, so don't listen to people who clearly don't have giant calves and claim things that like high rep training is for crossfitters or something crazy like that. All right. So I guess part of the irony is that my calves aren't the most impressive part of my body. Um, however, in in all honesty, I did start with probably a good comparison would be a toothpick as calves. And now I'd say I'm probably up around a chopstick. So I have improved the calves um, and grown them a bit. But unfortunately, I was not blessed with the best genetics when it comes to calves. Um I inherited mom's calves, not dad's calves, which sucks a little bit, but you win some, you lose some. All right, so I think I can begin to wrap up there. It went on a little bit longer than I expected, and I'm hoping that you can now understand how calf training works biomechanically so you now can make a more informed decision about which calf exercises to choose, and you have a a slightly better understanding of how to train calves and why we don't just copy and paste the training of other muscles over onto calves because they are different. And I hope that these insights will help you achieve the calf growth that you're looking for. Um, and as I said, you know, this is something that I had to come and talk about because when I see people spouting nonsense online saying things like, you can never grow your calves. I've been working at the gym that I work at now for four months and not a single person has changed the shape of their calves since I've got here. Well, that doesn't mean that the machines aren't working. It means that the people using the machines don't necessarily know the fundamental principles of calf growth and calf training. All right, so I hope that you are well on your way to developing a set of strong, well-defined calves and uh, that you understand now that in most cases you have to hit your calves with a lot more volume than other muscles. Um, If you do struggle to train your calves, or in fact any other muscle group, please don't hesitate to shoot me an email at speakingtostacy at gmail.com, right? That's speakingtostacy at gmail.com. I do offer a free one-time call. Uh, I, I do that over Zoom, and I talk to people about where they can improve their training, um, sort of optimizing their training, And yeah, I'm looking to connect with some people who are keen to go to the next level. And yeah, so shoot me an email there. That's S-P-E-A-K-I-N-G, the number two, S-T-A-C-Y at gmail.com, speaking to Stacey at gmail.com. And other than that, I hope you have a fantastic week ahead and I'll be getting back to the content on Nick Saban's speech as of next episode. Until then... Be strong, be fit, and continue to strive to be the superior dad that your kids look up to.